Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we're back with episode number 25 of the Common Sense Podcast, all the way from Doha, Qatar, at 8:50 p.m. My name is Patrick. And my name's Antonia. And we are back up in this thing, thing, thing. You're doing a lot. Are you excited? I am happy. Um, you know, recording this podcast really is like a, it's a form of therapy. It's also um, like the weekly thing is it's just a part of the routine for me. And so not recording for two weeks. Ah! Felt a little bit, <laughs> it's felt a little bit weird. Um and like, you know, going to a new country and everything, like when you break that routine, like it's like, damn, I really feel like something is missing. And recording and editing the podcast, you know, definitely has made me feel like something was missing. Not that I would have had time to do it anyway, but I think, uh, you know, I've definitely missed this. So I'm glad to be with you all the Aww. way across the world. I'm excited. It was weird, like, not recording for two weeks. I'm glad we, like, worked it out so that we were able to still do, like, those specialty episodes. But it was really weird because, like, normally when we record, it's, like, the time both of us kind of rehash what has happened during the week. Um, so I kind of missed that. So I'm glad we're back. Yes, we are back. And we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <sighs> Any good news you got this week? So it's not related to the classroom at all, but because I finished grad school, I have like this huge chunk of time every day now that I've never had before. Like, because my first year teaching, I, I think I only, I started grad school that January. So like I went straight in and then like after school every day, my first year, the first semester, I was like doing stuff school related, right? And so I've never had this free time in the evening like I do now. And so I recently put out like a few applications with some organizations in my area that I'm interested in volunteering with. And I've heard back from a few of them and I'm going to orientations this week. So I'm really excited to get involved with those and, and meet people who are also passionate about what those organizations are doing. So that's what I'm excited about. Well, first of all, said nobody ever. Nobody ever finishes grad school and like, you know, is jumping right into the next thing. So I'm glad you're keeping yourself busy in a good way. Though, like with something that you're passionate about. Like that is that's like hashtag goals, adults <laughs> and goals. Um, and I'm I'm just curious about what kind of work you'll be doing down where you are. So one of the organizations helps families in our medical center who have to come to town for like long-term treatments for their children. So it kind of gives them a place to create the idea and feeling of home outside of the hospital room, which can be, you know, like extremely sterile and impersonal. So that's one of them. Um, I wanted to volunteer with our food bank. And there was another organization that kind of helps um, women who are getting back on their feet get involved in or gain practice with like interviewing skills and how to dress going into interviews and kind of the networking piece to all of it. Um, so I wanted to help out with that. 
and then there was one more that um, they have a program for young mothers who are getting back into work and who, because of their age, didn't necessarily have access to like the skill set that they would have learned had they like maybe gone all the way through high school or maybe gone on to college. And so they have this kind of program where they support the moms who are working and are going back to school um, and are also they're teaching them like parenting techniques and all this extra stuff. So I thought that was a really cool organization to get involved with. I, I wanted to, to do things that I could still work with children because like I I care so much about children and their development, but I didn't necessarily want to be teaching and working like one-on-one with them. And so I thought that these were great ways that I could still, you know, impact the child's life, but I'm not necessarily doing my job again outside of school hours. I think it's important for us to do other things besides instructing people (laughs) or like finding other ways uh, to interact with people, but still kind of using those teacher skills because it, it helps us to stay fresh, stay sane, and it just gives us a new outlet. Like that's the most important thing. Like when it comes to teaching so much of our lives is actually teaching. And so I'm just happy that you're doing something different. That's going to give you some new perspectives. Um, that is going to just really continue to push you as a person that I think will in turn make you a better teacher. That's how I kind of I, I felt about it. I felt like that skill set that we have is so specific to what we do that so many of us just, you know, we fall into roles or volunteer roles where we're doing the same thing. And I think it kind of contributes to our fatigue and burnout. And so I didn't want to go that route. While, you know, there are great organizations doing things with kids in that way, it's like that's not the best way for me to use my time outside of school necessarily all the time. So, yeah, I'm excited, though. I'm very excited. Get it, girl. Do you have any good news? Do I? Oh, God. Well, it's been a long time since we've talked. um, And I definitely have a a nice handful of good news. Um, (laughs) Handful. Sorry. I say that because, I mean, I'll just summarize this whole thing. You know, Black people always tell, like, the summary or the climax of the story first. We never, like, build up to things. So I'm wondering if I should just tell the the summary and the climax first or if I should build up to it. What do you think? I don't know. I think you should do what you're good at. Okay. So, um, you know, this has not been a Cinderella story. Let's just be clear about it. Okay. I, you know, I I, I got fired in October and I thought that moving across the country was going to be like my, like, hey, what's up? My big come up, right? Um, But it hasn't been that at all. And so so, um, these last like two weeks going into my third week, it has been probably the most challenging experience 
of my life. And I don't mean challenging and like, oh, my God, I am growing as a person. Like this is challenging work, but I'm loving it and enjoying it. I mean, like challenging to the point that, um, you know, my suitcases are still open at this moment, right? <laughs> okay, honesty. <laughs> okay, let's let's just be clear. Um, but good news. So I made it over here safely. Um, that is, that good is good That is good news. I made it safely. Amen. Um, That's great news. I'm glad you made it in one piece. <laughs> um, I have definitely made some amazing friends um, being here. I'm thinking about three women in particular, um, you know, two who work at my school and then one who I met through a group. Um, they have been incredible support systems. Um, as I've transitioned to this country. So that has been awesome. I can go into more detail about that in a second. You're making me think of my first year teaching when like every day. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. Every day I, I came home and I had nothing nice to say about what I was experiencing. And like, in order to talk about my day, I had to share three positive things that happened. And that used to piss me off because like, I was like, no, this is what Atman did. And this is what this happened. And this is, and like, you want to get all that out, right? But like being forced to find three, which I still think is extreme, being forced to find three positive small things that happened throughout the day, like, it helps me make it through the year. So I, I completely get where you're coming from when you're like, um, okay, good news. Um, I'm really appreciating the weather. How's it? What is uh, the weather? <laughs> <laughs> we don't live there, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, so it is winter time here in the desert. So we're looking at mid-70s, low-80s. Oh, that's nicer than Houston right now. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. (laughs) That's nicer where I am right now. Ah, stop. That's nicer than where I am right now, so I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, it's really nice. Today was a little bit windy, uh, so I don't know why. I'd be feeling so, um, like weird about saying like man i'm cold but then it's like 69 degrees 70 degrees like i really be having to check myself but that desert like little breeze like it gets you it gets you uh <laughs> i also survived my first um sandstorm oh what is that like yeah, yeah literally i came out of school and i could like barely see the skyline of Doha. Um, the visibility was really low. Um, and every time like I opened up my mouth, I had sand in it. So um, that was rough. <laughs> but I was like, dang, it was like one of those moments where you're like, okay, I am not in Kansas any goddamn way. <laughs> 
Like, it's one of those moments. So I was like, I'm really appreciating this for what it is. Um, and like, this is really, really, really different, like in a really cool aspect. Also, the library. Oh my God. And I know you're going to love this, but the library looks like um, a Gucci store. Oh. Um, yes. It is so fancy, so high tech. Um, like all of the bookshelves are made out of glass. Um it's like really hard to describe, but the building looks almost like a spaceship, if you will. And, and like all the li- the bookshelves are made out of glass. Everything is just so 3D. Um, and I went there on a Friday night once because I was printing something out for school. And when I tell you the children's library was packed to capacity and there were books flying off the shelves and there were so many parents that were reading to their children in the library like in in a variety of languages that really just like warmed my little heart i was like this is so nice (laughs) books tickets to qatar just to see the uh the library Real t- right, right. <laughs> People were like, "Have have you explored anything? Like, where you been?" I'm like, "I went to the library." They'd be like, "Oh, okay." I've I've been trying to explain to people that I'm not really on vacation. Yeah, because like I want people to understand. Like, I came here to work, and literally 24 hours after I got off the plane, I was somebody's full time teacher, and so I really haven't had the opportunity nor. Have I had the money because I haven't worked since October to like just willy nilly explore? Yeah. Like there's a there's a startup cost to to working any job, but especially working internationally, right? Like you need money to exchange at the airport to hold you over until you get a check. Uh, until you get a check. You know what I'm saying? Um, they did. The school, they provided me with the essentials that I needed to help me out when I first got here. So when I got here, you know, I had bedding and um, linen and groceries and um, a Qatar cell phone number and, um, you know, just like the basic necessities that are super helpful, you know, when you're arriving to a new place and you really don't know what the hell is going on. Um. But I don't have like all this extra money in my savings, which has really depleted. (laughs) I don't have all this money to like, you know, go go do it. Yeah, to like go like bike on the sand dunes after school. Like, you know, that's what happens when you grow up in like a lower middle class family. Like, you don't have parents who can just give you like, you know, $2,000 because you're moving across the country. Like, we still have to work for the things that we want and the things that we need, regardless of the situations that we've been in. Yup. It's the reality of it. So what would have, well, how do I phrase this? Like you've been there two going on three weeks, right? What would yep. you say has been the most eye-opening experience so far? I think the most eye-opening experience um has definitely was maybe not one experience, but there's been a multitude of experiences of students um, realizing my race and then reacting to it in real time. 
<laughs> um, so the first day that, that I arrived, you know, students were calling me the Kiki man, the Kiki man, what? the Kiki man is here. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I, d- I don't. I don't. Unless you're talking about Drake. Kiki, do you yeah, love okay. me? Okay. Are you what? I'm like, and then <sighs> literally I will be walking down the uh walking to recess and walking to the, and pe- kids would literally just walk past me like Kiki do you love me do you what and I was like you, you know like Interesting. like like the first couple times I'm like okay like you know and I'm to them I'm like are you riding you know like I'm like okay like but like the 10th or 20th time I'm like hold on I am Drake in the flesh to these kids <laughs> Like there are so like there were so many moments where, you know, kids came up to me and they were like, like, are you are you the Kiki man? Like, are you Drake? But you like nothing. OK. OK. Uh, are you Drake? I said, you know, and after saying no about 15 times, I started to say yes, because I just wanted to see what would happen. And they, and they, they would be like, no, you're not. I was like, I was like, it's like, is you that your ask? brother? OK. <laughs> I was like, but they were like, you know, like, is that your brother or something? And I was like, yes, that is my brother. So Drake is officially my brother. Interesting. Um, I've also been called the N word several times by children. How did? <laughs> I don't even want to ask the question. I, I like, is it just? Because I don't think I've ever been called it. Is it like shock and, and disgust? Or was it like grace that you had for the child? Or like, did you know it was coming from a, a an awful place? Like, how did well, you respond? Ha- yeah, well, it's happened several times. So um, I think the first time I, I was like, wait, what? And I like got on that child's level and I was like, you know, like, don't ever call me that again. And I, I was like, really, like, I was really offended. The second time I w- it happened in the same day, I like got on that kid's level and I was like, listen, you know, breaking down, like, I was, I was like, that's a really bad word to say to a black person like me from America. I was like, it's really, really, really bad word, really offensive to me. Um, And then I had another kid who I trusted next to me and he translated that in Arabic and then it happened a third time, and then I, I like did the same thing, but I I was r- really limited on the words and vocabulary that I can say because I I was talking to children who didn't really know a lot of English, but the I was confused how they didn't know a lot of English, but they did know the N word. Yeah. Um, I you know the only logical explanation that I had at you know like where they got this from um I, I just said rap music like that's really the, the the only thing that i could think of or like some sort of like pop culture maybe vine videos or instagram videos or something like that like i really could think of no other reason why um they would know the word um i found it interesting that they decided to call me the word um it was it was only one time where I felt like it was it was 
well, maybe one in a, one, possibly two times where I felt like they said it in a derogatory manner. Uh-huh. But I have to keep reminding myself that they're children and they don't really know. Um, but it was a hard adjustment for me in my first week. Like, you know, I'm Drake. I'm a nigga. Like, it's, it's it, a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, one other thing that I heard, um, w- which is more positive to me, is that any kid in the entire school that remotely had any type of quote unquote black features um, or looked any sim, you know, any way similar to me, you know, the kids who you know, mostly from Qatar, would call them like my brother, right? Like, this is your brother, right? Right here. Like, this is your brother. And, you, you know, you guys are, are you know, are the same. And I was like, you're damn right. So, and I found That's myself sweet. that, I found myself gravitating closer to those children anyway. Um, and not that, not that they identify as black. Um, many of them, you know, either identify as um, citizens or people of Sudan or Qatar or other places, but they don't identify as black, right? Um, But I found myself like gravitating closer to them because I'm still yearning for that uh, familiarity. I think it's it's important that you said that they don't identify as black because like the more you travel, the more you realize like, blackness like as a construct right as is kind of specific to the u.s like we in the u.s see everyone as black right like even outside of the u.s and that's how we like identify and connect with people but like when you travel like no one is walking around saying i'm black unless they're like black american if that makes sense because there's like no no need for it does that make sense I get that, but in the same breath, it's like they still see like they're not colorblind. No, 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 so, yeah, not at all. Like I guess it's just that there's their identity and like who they are already. I don't I'm trying to figure out a way to word it. Um No, I I hear what you're saying that Almost to the point, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but race is not really relevant in this particular context as it is always relevant in the United States. Maybe that's what it is. Right. So like when I went, okay, keep going. No, I would just say, but I just found it interesting how they automatically racialized me, even though race is not a factor in the context that I'm in right now. But like you, you automatically come in. Yeah, but you came in as an outsider though. That's like, true too. That's probably why. So when when I say like they people don't like identify as black, it's like you go overseas and like in Ethiopia, like no one's walking around saying I'm black. Like because everybody is black there and there's just this understanding that we're all the same. And so that need to like identify and I'm sure I'm like saying this all wrong, but I, I think you're getting what I'm saying. Like it's like you said, it's not as racially charged all the time as it is here in the U.S. And there's no need to, like, be so fixated on it all the time when everyone around you is like you, I guess. Which brings in the yeah. point of, like, people around the world, like the global majority, like, they're black and brown. 
And so you spend less time fixated on it. I don't know. That's an interesting. I don't Maybe we can explore more on another episode. We kind of just went like off on a tangent because of me. Um, no, that's good. That's good. That's a good point. But, you know, that's really, you know, been a big part of my experience is like dealing with race. Um, yeah. So like back to teaching, right? How I'm sure everyone wants to know what are like the main differences between like our education system and what you've seen there so far? Like the classroom setup, the school day, how much planning time you get? What are the huge differences? Um, well, again, you know, I'm still figuring things out, but the immediate differences, <laughs> there really aren't that many based on my experience. Um, I will say the biggest difference is planning time. So I roughly get about an hour and a half to five hours per day, but it depends on the day um, because every day is different. To five hours? Yeah. So each teacher has, <laughs> yeah. So each teacher has a planning day. Um, and that's a day where all of your specials are in the morning and then you, you teach the last two periods of the day. You know what I could do with, with a planning day every week? <laughs> and you know what I should be able to do, but I've been like breathing and trying to learn through most of it. But I think like once I get caught up, then I'll feel much better, of, you know, about using that planning time. But, you know, my kids have roughly about three or four specials every single day. And then on that super planning day, they have like five or six specials. And those. Okay, so what are, that, what are their specials? Um, they have Arabic. They have French. They have art. They have Islamic studies. They have technology and they have PE. Wow. And they have Qatar history, which is also a special. That's interesting. That's so much of that, like, takes place outside of the classroom. Because, like, in the U.S., like, Qatar history will be in the classroom. The, like, religion will probably be in the classroom with you. Interesting. Right. Okay, keep going. Yeah. And so each period is 45 minutes. Um as opposed to like a very, very, very long block. So every, you know, all of your lessons are like, to me, very bite-sized, which is a good thing and a bad thing because my pacing, I'm working on. But anyway, so uh, planning time is different. What what else is different? Um, I pretty much like teach two different classes in one. Um, I teach the girls and then I teach the boys. Uh, what do you mean by what? that? Yeah, so the boys, and and I don't think all of this has to do with religion because, well, I think religion is the basis of it, Um, but the boys and the girls don't really interact with one another. They don't interact, like, with each other at recess or in class. Um, They don't like to speak to each other. They don't um, like to collaborate with one another. And if I try to make them work together, it's a really big deal. Um, Some kids, you know, have said like, I can't talk to them because of my religion. And I don't necessarily know if that's true or not. 
But for the sake of me just getting to this school, I've just taken it as face value. Um, but it really has caused like this really, you know, obvious segregation in the class that yeah. I had a really and and still have a really hard time with. Um, you know, like even when you walk in, the girls sit in one part of the classroom and the boys sit in another part of the classroom. Um, and it really makes me uncomfortable because I feel like I'm like doubling my work. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Like by trying to be like two people in one. Um, but it really is like teaching two separate classes. I didn't, I didn't really expect, I figured that like maybe boys would sit on one side and girls would sit on the other side. But I, I guess I hadn't considered how much of an impact that would make. Because like you said, like it, they're going to push back against group work and it may just be a cultural thing. I don't know. Have you have you asked anyone about it? Um, yes. And some of them have said like they're so used to not doing it that it is uh, – a big deal, you know, to, to kind of break that routine. But there are some teachers who say like, that's the reason why their parents send them to an international school. So, so that they can, you know, have, you know, these different experiences. And so us not pushing back against that doesn't really help them. Um, but I don't really know how to do that <laughs> at this point, being a mid-year teacher. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, you kind of got to choose your battles and then you got to move forward. Like that's So kinda... do you think like going forward, if you, and I know you just said you have to like choose your battles, but do you think parents would have an issue if you like force the kids to like intermingle or like sit with a partner of the opposite sex or no? I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't gotten any inclination that a parent would, but yeah, we'll see. I have no idea. I also don't plan on doing it at all at this moment. I mean, right. It's like one of the minor things. You can just keep moving forward without like picking that battle. So you've talked about planning. We talked about like how the kids are in the room. What what else is different? Um, th- I think there are a lot more similarities than anything. Um, <laughs> y- you know, lesson plans are due every week. Uh, my class size is extremely large. Uh, how many do you you have? 30. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. 30 is a lot. And I'm not going to say any more about that. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, they want lesson plans posted in the, in the room. They want an objective posted. (laughs) Um, you know, working with staff, you know, staff members are great. Uh, I mean, you know, technology goes out every now and again, right? So, like... Same challenges, know, just different location. Same challenges, different location. You know, the only really big difference is the 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 obvious, which is the language barrier in the school. Um you know, though this is a, a English international school, 90% of the children come from Arabic-speaking households, right? So they're not really forced to use English unless they really, really want to. Um, and so for me, as a, you know, as a English-only speaking teacher, somebody, <laughs> this teacher came up to me the other day and was like, do you speak any other languages? I was no. like, black. <laughs> I was like, black English? What's up? 
you know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, you know, not knowing the the language and students kind of knowing that I don't know the, the language can yeah. make it that much more, uh, that much more hard, <laughs> you know, like it's like another barrier that I feel like I have, you know, between building the relationships with them and then building the community that I want to see in the class, right? Um, and I'm I would never be, you know, ban Arabic, you know, in the classroom because they need their home language in order to uh, communicate with one another. Like, you know, like they're learning English as a second language and, or yeah. as a third language for some of them, right? So that whole piece has been an obvious difference in. So have you picked up any Arabic? Um, some words here and there. Uh, it's a very tonal language from what I'm seeing. Like they speak with a lot of emotion. Uh-huh. And so I can pick up on like what they're trying to say or the mood or the tone that they're trying to say it in. So like when a child is like saying something like mischievous in in Arabic, I normally can pick that up. <laughs> um, or like when a child is, um, you know, like, you know, on the opposite end, like complimenting me or saying something else like or like confused about something like like I can pick that up. But I picked up a couple words here and there. Um, but it's not an English, it's not it's not an easy language to learn at all. I have a friend who uh He's been studying it for like six months, but he he focuses on it like five to six hours out of a day. And really? Yeah, and it, it's just crazy because like now, like he has a grasp of the language, but like you said, it's it's been difficult because of the tones. And it's also interesting teaching reading because you know they read and write from right to left, uh-huh. <laughs> right. and then in English, it's the opposite. It's the complete opposite. So, you know, helping them get used to that has been rather interesting. Um, I was almost an ESOL minor, but I didn't complete the, uh, <laughs> I did not complete the, <laughs> the requirements at undergrad. Um, but I'm definitely going back to some of those readings to kind of help refresh me um, on building the community that I want to see through the midst of all the chaos. I was just talking to someone about um, like all the, the science behind like children learning a second language and how it's made me want to work in a school setting that like most of the children are emerging bilinguals or like more than two languages, right? Just because like as an adult, me only speaking one language, I feel trash because there are like five and six-year-olds who who can speak two, three languages. And it's just like, like how beautiful is that, that you have that ability to communicate with that many more people across the world and, and across your city um, because you have access to these additional languages. And I really need the U.S. to step it up. Right? I think like we're one of the only countries that don't require students to learn these languages like from the time they're in primary school to the you know to the time that they are graduating high school like there's no no they need to be learning these languages i wish that i would have taken more language classes 
um, like I, I kept saying to myself, oh, I'll learn or I'll learn or I'll learn. Right. But the more that you travel, it's like you really wish that you knew more languages like like it just opens up the amount of connections that you can make with people from all over the world. I'm I'm somewhat functional in Spanish just because like Texas and I took Spanish for like four years and I can still frequently use it. Um, but I wish like that I was fluent in it. And I remember like an undergrad, I was taking a class. It was like an ESL class. And one of the discussion boards, I feel like the the professor was being messy because she asked, like, do you think that, you know, children should be exposed to second languages? And of course, you know, you have those people who were like, no, it confuses the child and no, they need to learn English first. And no, no, no. And it's just like, you are like so wrong. Like your child will be that much more. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like learning a second language doesn't hurt your child. It does not confuse your child. And if anything, it makes your child into a better reader and writer because like they're linking between the two languages and making these connections that you as an adult, like you're never going to be able to make because you refuse to learn another language. Just don't know. I think everyone should know more than one language. And it's not too late to learn. That's what everybody's been telling me. It's never too late to learn. I think the easy, like the easiest way to learn is through like immersing yourself into it, right? Like you need to start listening to music, like watching the TV, talking to people, like trying to read things. It's it's difficult as an adult, but it's not impossible. So, 2019 challenge or what? I mean, I'm trying to learn two new languages, but what about you? You should try. I think I'm gonna try the Arabic thing, but we'll see. <laughs> Is Arabic on Duolingo? It might be. It's like one no, of the most it's commonly. Not. It's not. I feel like no. maybe it's because of where I live. I feel like everybody speaks Arabic. We have an Arabic immersion school here. Really? Yeah, that's why it's dope. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. So we could go on and on, right? But my last question, like, what are you hoping to get out of this? Like, what are you hoping to learn? What are you hoping to take away? Like, how are you hoping to grow from this experience? What is it? Um, That's a good question. I think I, I just don't know right now. Um, at this point, I just want to survive it because it really is challenging. Um, I'm already learning a lot about myself. Um, I keep asking myself, I had a good conversation the other day, you know, just about why I choose particular schools that I choose or why I choose particular environments that I choose to work in. Um, You know, every school has its challenges, but we know that there are some schools with some really unique um, challenges that cause you know, colleagues to jump into the sink or swim mentality. Um, And that has been uh, the true (laughs) definition um, of my entire teaching experience. And I've come out on top every single time. Yes, you you have. But I really want to investigate on why I continue to work in schools that cause me a lot of stress. Um, what is it about myself that I, <laughs> like, why do I continue to kind of put this 
you know, on myself. And I think it's because I really enjoy making a real difference and I really enjoy overcoming odds. I think those are two things, but, you know, kind of at what expense is a question I've been asking myself recently. Um, I think uh, I also really want to get a grip on my finances. If I can, can we be honest? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're we're talking about a tax-free salary. Um, We're talking about a, you know, a, you know, living in a country with no living expenses, right? Like there really is um, nothing that is really holding me back from making some better financial habits or yeah yeah so that is really important um i'm already learning a lot about how blackness is viewed around the world um how huge you know or how far black culture goes from america um and north america even for drake because i know he's not from America, but um, like United he, States, United States, some people will come for you. Okay. Um, yeah. So just, I think I just want to really figure out what my purpose is in education. Um, you know, for a long time, I've always seen myself as a forever classroom teacher and 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 I still feel that way um but there are some things that we have to do in our profession to make the job sustainable um oh yeah it's not sustainable as it is right now no 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 um, and I don't want to be one of those statistics now, and that's no shade, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to be one of those statistics that, you know, leave in five years just because I'm burned out, but that's kind of how I feel right now, burned out. And I'm trying to like light my match yeah. over and, and over again. Um, but it is really, 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 really challenging. Um, right now I'm just trying to make it to the end of January. Um, baby steps. Yep. If I decide to come home early, um, I already forgive myself for it. Um, if I don't make it back to the classroom in August, I am already forgiving myself for it. I am looking to figure out where, what is the future of our profession and kind of what can we do? What conversations do we need to have? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to to figure out how we can, you know, move up, move, you know, move ourselves forward? Um, and I'm not getting fired again to do it. No, <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I am trying to figure that whole piece out. But I'll tell you right now, I feel extremely fatigued. Um, I wish I could have got on here minutes, you know, two weeks later, like, girl, this is how I'm having time of my life. I'm riding on sand dunes and my lessons are on fleek. Um, <laughs> I probably Not have, the case, though. I have probably failed more times um, than I can count. But I am working on giving myself a little bit more grace, as people have told me. 
if you know I've only been here two weeks, going on three weeks, and but it's felt like months. So I am, you know, doing this. I'm trying to listen to my mental health, listen to um, my intuition, and to make decisions. Um, this is one of the first times in my life where like I have not been able to see my own future. And that is so scary. It is so scary because it's like, if I do this, I don't know what will happen. If I, you know, like if I make this move, I don't know what will happen. If I go home early, will I have a job? If I stay here, will I be like mentally sane, right? Like, yeah, it's like not linear. It, it's it's not easily, it's so, like you can't see it. Yeah, It's so complex. It's so yeah. complex. Um. But at this moment, I am choosing to stick it out. Um, there are so many other things that we need to talk about, but we just don't have the time. But I promise I will keep everyone posted. Thank you, everyone, for your well wishes. Antonia, for always having my back. I appreciate that. Um, but just right now, we need to take this break, and we'll be right back. Yeah. Hey, y'all, while you have a quick second, if you could just go to our iTunes page and leave us a comment, tell us how we're doing on the podcast, what you love, what you'd love to hear more of, and leave us a five-star rating. Thank you. We'll be back in a second. Yeah. And we're back. If you have questions, you can send them to us through our website at commonsensepod.com, or you can email them to us at commonsensepod at gmail.com. Do you have a question for us? Yes, 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 I do. All right, so the first one is rather quick. Um, it says, hey, y'all, I appreciate your openness on everything related to experiences and teaching. As someone who has struggled to find her place in the education community, it is great to hear that I am not alone. Feels weird to say great. I wish it was easy for everyone to find their fit. I will likely be looking for a new school at the end of the year again. Ugh. What are some of the tough questions you recommend asking during interviews? I would love to find a place where I can grow as an educator and grow with the community. So I like to get as clear and honest of a picture of potential schools as possible. I feel very um, like I'm curating a list currently. <laughs> So it's like the what's helping me is things that I am unhappy about, maybe listing them out and figuring out how to f- turn those experiences or concerns into a question so you know to avoid that the next time, right? Um, some things I'm concerned about is planning expectations. How many times a week am I expected to be, you know, in a meeting during my planning time? Because in Texas, that's illegal. Um, but that's beside the point, right? Um, I'm concerned about planning time. I want to know, like, expectations for outside of school hour commitments. Um, I, I, I just, what are you like? I guess while I'm trying to put the rest of my words together, I think I need you to bounce in. Um, there's one question you need to ask, and that question is, when can I come spend a day in your school? When can I come and walk around on a regular school day if you're not being hired in the summer? 
When can I come and visit, see how you operate, see the relationships between students, see the relationships between students and staff, you know, and observe relationships between, you know, administrators and staff, right? You need to be immersed in the environment. You need to sit in classes. You need to actually live the life of a teacher there. Go in the copy room and and come out. Like, you need to be able to live that day. And if a school is not going to allow you to visit, then it's not the school for you. Another thing, depending on where you are, would be getting in touch with the local union that uh, represents that school and asking if there are any complaints, what kind of complaints are they? Um, Does admin respond to the grievances and like what that relationship between admin and the union is like? And, you know, I wish I had asked those questions because it probably in the past would have saved me a world of trouble, but I I just didn't know. Um, and while they are not going to give you no like specific details, they certainly will say, oh, well, we hear a lot from that principal or, you know, oh, we don't ever hear anything. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that things are not happening, right? If they don't hear anything, but when people are really, really fed up, the union is going to be hearing from them. Um, I would, I don't know, when I'm interested in the school, sometimes I kind of drive around it, like at like when my school is out, I'll go like pass by like on weekends or like I'll drive by like at the end of a school day just to kind of get a feel for like what I would feel like going up to it. Um, I'm going to I'm taking it very seriously, like whatever the next school is, because you do want to be somewhere where you can grow and grow with the community and not feel like you're unappreciated in that, you know, I'm ready to get to May so that I can leave. Um I would also ask about the summer commitments. A lot of times they expect you to be, you know, in training during the summer before you've been paid and the dates are like non-negotiable. <laughs> uh-huh. The dates are like non-negotiable and then you didn't know and maybe you had things planned, right? And, you know, that may be a, a deal breaker for you. I know in the past... I I didn't know about some certain dates and it caused a lot of drama for me. Um, So I would want to know the dates for that stuff. I I also, I want to know when meet the teacher night is. I want to know when the graduations are because like we have lives outside of school. And if I'm committing to a school and like this, this is where I'm going to be. I want to make sure that, you know, I can show up to things I need to show up. And if there are additional things, you know, in my personal life that are non-negotiables and the dates conflict, like, I'm sorry. Like I'm at the point in my career where I'm sorry if the dates conflict and this means X amount to me, then like, this is not the place for me to be if there's no wiggle room on certain things. Um, And it's probably very uncommon that schools are going to give you those dates, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Um, And I feel so often we don't ask those hard questions and then we're pissed when we're in situations we don't want to be in. So like through the rest of the year, anything that like ticks you off or like you're struggling with, write that down and figure out how to turn it into a question for when you're interviewing. All right. Awesome. Um, Our next question is really a comment (laughs) um, that came to us. Um, One person sent in, I taught my students about Bayard Rustin last week and the phone calls from parents haven't stopped since. What? saying things like please stop talking about homosexual things in the presence of my child they replied 
We discussed truth in my classroom. If you would prefer otherwise, the enrollment period opens on July 31st. Wow, bold. (laughs) I love it. Please bring this up if you see fit. The threat that many gay black male teachers face. I had to tread lightly with my passion on the subject because it would have been all too easy for this to be turned into a topic of pedophilia that is tied to me, the educator. Knowing that I had to keep the discussion very unit-based, thus missing somewhat of a teachable moment with the parent and subsequently the student. I'd love to hear what you have to say. (laughs) I mean, shout out to them for persevering, moving forward anyway. Like, if, you know, to me, pushback means that you're doing the right thing. Um, Even, and it shows that we still have work to do, right? And so because you're going against the grain, you are um, teaching these very critical moments like gay history, queer history needs to be integrated into our classrooms. Um, Like that's what helps us to, you know, tackle this issue of homophobia, right? If we're not normalizing it, then it's still being othered. by people who don't have any context or any experience with these particular uh, or with this particular identity or any, you know, other types of identities, right? Like our lesson plans, our units, our text, our, you know, like our schooling experience has to be intersectional. Um, And this is why it's also important to have diverse teachers in a room, right? Because, it's less likely that, you know, people would teach about Bayard Rustin unless you identify with being a black gay male, right? Like that just, you know, really amplifies the importance of teaching about him and and others like him. And there's an opportunity or a chance that you may not get that when you, uh, or that you may not get that from other teachers of um, other intersectional identities. So I'm very proud of this teacher for sending in that <laughs> experience. It's always the parents, right? The kids are not the ones who leave like in an uproar. At least not like when you teach elementary and some middle, like early middle school, right? It's when they go home and like in their jumbled retelling of what happened during the day, the parent takes offense to new information that they don't necessarily agree with but it's like that's not your choice I'm like my view is like public school like we need to be inclusive and if this is a part of you know someone's identity that we're discussing in the classroom like it deserves to be told I'm not going to not say it um in in my experience I've had to be like very very strategic about what standards I I tie to certain people that way if something comes back like I can say well this standard said to explore xyz such as and then it doesn't say like anyone's name specifically which you know covers my back and then like I can freely go and explore and then too like waiting for children to question the things that way you're responding to children and I hate that it has to be like so technical all the time like why can't you just engage in these conversations and topics and these histories of people right but it's, I don't know, it's its unacceptable for 2019 that this is still an issue. 
unacceptable, unacceptable. Shout out to the teachers out there doing the doing the good the the good hard work. The good hard work. We appreciate you. <laughs> no, we really do. Like that is really important. Um, and we need more teachers not afraid to push up against the grain, teach that hidden history, um, because Bayard Rustin is often erased from civil rights um, discussions. So who, and who, who is he, If for the people who don't know? They need to go and figure it out. Okay. Go to www.google.com <laughs> and you need to do your research on Bayard Rustin. And I'm telling y'all now, include him. When you talk about Dr. King, you include Bayard Rustin. Yep. That's going to be your hint, no matter what grade you're in, right? Martin Luther King was not... Um, a standalone guy. He had a team. One to one man show. Oh, okay. Similar to Cardi B, right? Like Cardi <laughs> B has a really Cardi B has an amazing team, and so did Martin Luther King. He had an amazing team, and Bayard Rustin was a part of that team. So make sure that you 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 research who he is and you include him in your lessons. If you uh, have any other questions, please send them to www.commonsensepod.com or you can send them to our email at commonsensepod at gmail.com. Quote? Yes, you have to tell me that you're not going to do a sermon, though. Uh, oh, God. Okay, I can try. <laughs> it's a James Bond. I won't be long. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a James Baldwin quote. Um, and I Uh-oh. think... I think it right. I I think (laughs) it complements, maybe not complements, but it kind of ties in with what you're experiencing in Doha right now. Um, And he says, "Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced." I get it and I understand, right? Like, I totally understand that this period of time in my life is, and I I just feel so bad for the listeners. Like, when we first started this podcast, we were like upbeat and happy. And it is like, but it's like, it's like a true, it's real. It's real. It's it's a true journey through a school year. Like, no matter where you are, this time of year, people are like, where is May? Where is May and... What am I doing? So I, I think if we were to, like, go through the whole year and, like, upbeat, positive, happy-go-lucky the whole time, like, we'd be lying to listeners. Yes, that is true. And we are not liars. But I am just going to tell you, this is literally the hardest thing I've ever done. And I want to go home <laughs> yesterday. So, um... And that's Okay. Like, it's okay to feel that. Yeah. Like, I am ready to go home and change careers. That's kind of where I'm at at this moment. I like, I want to go home. I want to, like, you know, I want my dream is, you know, to write for some newspapers or something and, like, try again in the fall, see how I'm feeling. But I am so fatigued and tired i'm tired i'm exhausted um but i'm gonna persevere anyway i'm not i'm i'm more exhausted because i don't know like what this lesson is like in this period of my life um 25 has been crazy 
Uh, <laughs> and it's still like F my principal for firing me. That's, but that's anyway. Still the move. Um, <laughs> it's still the move. But I think, um, you know, this is just a really tough experience. I didn't expect it to be this hard. Um, maybe when I start traveling, things will get better. Maybe when I get paid, things will be, will get better. Um, but I feel like I'm changing as a person and I don't like who it is that I am becoming. There is still a sliver of optimism inside of me. There's still a sliver of hope that I am hanging on to and I need the encouragement. You know, we are all in this. I know there's no easy school right now, no matter where you are. We are all kind of going through our ups and downs. But I've been down for a long time, and I'm ready to come up. So um, we're going to continue to check in, figure this whole joint out. Um, and when I come out from all of this, and I, you know, and I face this challenge, whether I lose or I win, I just cannot wait to say that I did it. Yes. So I can move forward. Yes. Amen. 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 Do I, I feel like I should kind of apologize for it being so sad. <laughs> no, I already did that. And you I told me you not did, to. But... No matter what, this is not meant to be a somber podcast. You know, as you know, like you said, it's just real. But we got this, y'all. Honestly, we got to remember the why. Remember what we're doing. All that jazz. You know, all that jazz. We can Just do it. Just as much as, like, y'all have said, like, this podcast has helped y'all, like, you know, y'all continue to help us as well, right? We're in this together. Um, and it's still only January, so we got all year to— Oh, don't say that. I mean that in a positive way, right? Uh-huh. Like, okay. despite the bad days, there are so many good days ahead. It's only January. So let's— Let's make We can make it. We'll make it. You have yes. no choice but to make it. So <laughs> You really don't cuz these bills have to be paid. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 